Lord, we thank you. Lord, we may joke, but all the things that you've done for us is no joke. Everything that you do for us is good. It is a blessing to us. And Lord, we acknowledge it. I pray we always acknowledge it, because we should never forget what you've done for us. So Lord, as we prepare for the message, Lord, help all of our hearts be ready to receive what God wants you to hear. This is not the minister talking. This is the Holy Spirit, I pray, speaking to hearts. Because that's where change starts in the heart. And I pray that the Holy Spirit will touch my tongue to just deliver what needs to be heard by ears that need to receive. In Jesus' precious and mighty name, amen. So, you know me, I like to touch on some big, vast subjects. And we're talking about the blessings of God today. This is a very wide and extensive subject, so I'm only going to give you an overview and focus on a few points of interest. We'll start with what is blessing. This little word is used in many discussions, prayers and sermons by believers over the generations. But do we really have a real grasp on what it truly means on us, for us? Most in modern day society use the word blessed in reference to good fortune a desired outcome or comfort. So let's start by looking at what the word bless or blessing means. Now for me, if you want to find something, you go to Google. True? Start with Google then. Google says that the word bless or blessing is about pronouncing words in a religious rite in order to confer or invoke divine favour upon, ask God to look favourably on. I know that's a bit of a mouthful, we're going to come to more uh, sensible ones going, for, going on as we preach. Dictionary.com. Consecrate or sanctify by religious rite, make or pronounce holy. To request God releases divine favour on, to bestow good of any kind upon, to exalt as holy, glorify, or to protect or guard from evil. And then gotquestions.org states... <coughs> A statement of goodwill and happiness said about another. Also the condition that fulfills those good words. A wish for God to restore his favour on others or a declaration of his inherent goodness. The Bible uses the word blessed and translated from the Hebrew is known as barak. Meaning to praise, congratulate or salute and is even used to mean a curse. But another Hebrew word Esher is used for for blessing as well, which means happiness. The Greek definition of the word blessed comes from makorios. Forgive me any Greek scholars out there if I pronounce that wrong. This describes a believer as being in an enviable position for receiving God's provisions, favour, as being an extension of his grace. I always like to put a table in where I can. It summarises things quite nicely. The word blessed, blessed or blessing appears 496 times in the ESV Bible and within 47 of the 66 Bible books. That's 71% of the books contain that word. 384 references are in the Old Testament with 101 of these in the Psalms, 72 in Genesis and 42 in the book of Deuteronomy. Philip Little, a Bible teacher, defines blessing like this. 
Essentially, blessing is God giving power to something or somebody to do that which they are designed or intended to do. When we bless God, we rightfully recognise him as the only source of all of our blessing. Only by his grace and blessings are we who we are and have what we have. When we bless others, we are asking or praying that God will send his blessing to them according to his will and purposes. We also acknowledge we cannot do it without, his, without God's power. He tells us what to do with his word, <clears throat> and his blessing is his given power to do it. We can also expand the definition of blessing as the enjoyment of God's divine favour. It's not about having more possessions. It's more about being able to enjoy what you have in him and with him. Remember, not all God's blessings are material things. Is there a difference between God's blessings and promises? Many ask, is there a difference between these? For me, the key difference is that some of God's blessings can be received as a gift, with no obligation or effort from us, but given by his infinite grace. So both believer and unbeliever can benefit and live on the sum of God's blessings. I believe also God's blessings can be taken away from us according to God's will and purposes. However, God's promises require sacrifice on our part and a conscious effort to follow and obey him, to receive and live in them. We also have the assurance God never goes back on his promises, no matter how much we may fail or fall short of his will for us. Luke 11, verse 28. But he said, more than that, blessed are those who hear the word of God and keep it. Some of God's promises are conditional, and some unconditional. But only a true child of God can benefit from all of them. Who is entitled to God's blessings and who can receive them? We all experience the blessings of God as God provides certain things to everyone, believers and non-believers alike. For instance, the sun rises on both believers and non-believers, so both benefit from this just as we both enjoy human life together. God pours out these undeserved blessings on everyone through his grace. Some call this the unmerited blessings of God. And Matthew talks about this in his book, chapter 5, verse 45. But there will be certain blessings of God in this life that only God's people can receive. Or even appreciate, such as an infinite, intimate relationship with God through his son Jesus and the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit. John 1, verse 16. For out of his fullness, the superabundance of his grace and truth, we have all received grace upon grace, spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favour upon favour, and gift heaped upon gift. Looking at that amplified version, that's some very big words used to explain about blessing. Superabundance. You don't hear that very often in the English language, do you? But that's what the fullness that they're trying to explain to you here. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. It's a bit like water. You know when you're running and you're washing your hands and the water's just running over? As long as you've got the tap open quite well, it's going to run over quite abundantly, isn't it? That's what they're saying about God's spiritual blessings. 
favour upon favour and gift heaped upon gift. It's like Christmas and you're expecting just the one present and then you come up and you wake up and there's five. Yeah? Gift heaped upon gift. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about blessings. Through this, God will empower us with spiritual gifts or abilities to strengthen us and the church to increase his kingdom. They will also bring glory to God. Some of God's blessings will be temporal or temporary, such as a new car, a job. The greater blessings are eternal, like our salvation, God's provision and protection for us, and our ongoing relationship with the Holy Trinity. God wants to bless his people. We see this throughout the Bible, most notably in Deuteronomy. But to experience this, believers must live a life of total commitment and obedience to him. Only true obedience to God will lead to blessing, while disobedience will lead to curses and correction. So church, that's what the Bible says. I'm not going to put it up. That's what it says. Genesis 12, verses 2 and 3, shows God's promise to Abraham. And I will make you a great nation, and I will bless you abundantly, and make your name great, exalted, distinguished, and you shall be a blessing, a source of great good to others. And I will bless the good for benefit those who bless you, and I will curse, that is subject to my wrath and judgment, the one who curses, despises, dishonors, has contempt for you, and in you all the families, nations of the earth will be blessed. God repeats this blessing to Abraham in Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 and 18, after he obediently offers his son Isaac as a sacrifice on Mount Moriah, but God provides another sacrifice instead. Abraham was blessed initially with a son in his old age, just when he was given that first promise. But he's again blessed when after testing his obedience, God allows Abraham to spare his son. Believe me, that was a blessing for Abraham. He did not want to be killing a son that was promised to him. How do we experience God's blessings? Earthly blessings can include comforts. You understand what I mean by comforts? The new settee. The flat screen TV. Sky. All comforts. Now you may be sitting there thinking, no, 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 I need that, I need that. No, they're a comfort. Desired outcomes. That's when we pray for something. And we want a desired outcome. You want that job... You know, you don't go to a job interview thinking, I don't want that job. <laughs> no. Success, friendships, all of these are earthly blessings. We as believers should receive them with joy, thanksgiving, and praise, glorifying God through them. The majority of blessings are experienced all the time for our daily lives, some through particular needs, such as a new home or a job, or an answer to prayer. But most just happen out of the grace and purposes of God. We may have a God moment and know that it's by his hand we have received his blessing. Sometimes we can be blessed by something we experience as simple as a beautiful sunset or seeing the stars on a clear night and just appreciating the wonderful and glorious life God has surrounded us with when we take the time to take note of it. We can also share or experience a blessing through written or spoken prayer or testimony of answered prayer, or believers overcoming in Jesus. Now, I didn't pay Linda to come up to give that testimony today. She came to us to give that testimony. But that does bless us. 
blessed her. She was, you know, praying, and it was answered prayer. And I know Sister Josephine also was blessed for answered prayer today. So what hinders us from experiencing God's blessings? Simple. Disobedience and sin will hinder us from experiencing these. We cannot fulfill his will for our lives by being disobedient to his call on our lives. We must realize it's a great honor and privilege that God lavishes us with his blessings, his strength, wisdom, and power. In our flesh, we can sometimes treat God's blessings with attitudes of entitlement. Do you understand what I mean by entitlement? It means that you think you, you deserve it. Yeah? Or pride, where you think, I'm it. You're using the blessings of God to say, oh, I'm it. Or seeking our happiness in worldly things rather than in God's blessings. His blessings should not be hoarded for ourselves, but by his grace passed on to to others. So it would be a great shame to lose these through our disobedience or unbelief when God asks of us what he has already provided and empowered us to do according to his will. We can become complacent with God's blessings and not remember to give thanks or show appreciation for them. God may sometimes remove them for a time to remind you of these and not to take them for granted. I have learned that lesson quite well in my life with with God. You know, you have the car. Just saying analogy, I'm a bloke, I like cars. But you have a car, and as long as it's running fine, you're happy as Larry. Get in the car, turn it on, vroom, you're off. And it's always the, the morning of the important meeting that you have to be at. And you get to the car, and, it, and you're thinking, ooh, well, all right, maybe it's just a bit cold, you know. You know, three minutes later, you're starting again. And the car that is, once the blessing is now, and I'm going to ring work now. This is going to cost me. That's what I'm trying to say to you, church. You have to learn that sometimes those little hindrances are God just saying to you, take time, son. The car's going to be all right. Someone will come and fix it, the AA, the RAC, Green Flag, whoever you're going to use. Spend some time with me. Remember the blessing I've given you. It's all right when it's working. And when it doesn't work, I'm still there with you. I will be there with the AA man to fix it. God doesn't disappear just when the AA man turns up. He's there helping that man fix your blessing. Does God's blessings work at different levels? Yes. Most people only allow his blessing to affect them at a superficial or surface level, so they are happy when God is blessing them physically or materially. But when hard times come, they question, worry, or moan to God. Sadly, some may even walk away from him. When we allow God's blessings to touch us at a more intimate level, spiritually and mentally, we will experience more of God's blessings such as his peace, power, wisdom, strength that those who refuse to allow God to increase in them will experience. What should our attitude be towards blessings? I think most of us have heard about Pastor Rick Warren. He breaks it down to four laws. First one being, our blessings should flow to others. 
We are blessed not just for our own needs and comfort, but so that we will bless others. This is the first law, and it must flow outwardly. So practically, how do we bless others? By helping to meet a need, be it physical, emotional, financial. Two, when we bless others, God takes care of our needs. God promises that if we concentrate on blessing others, he will take care of our needs. God will support those who really want to help other people. That's a real blessing, as God's much better at dealing with difficulties than we are. I just gave that point about the car not starting. That's God dealing with a difficulty. Three, our blessings to others will come back on us. The more you bless and help other people, the more God blesses your life. You cannot outgive God. The more you try to bless other people, the more God says, I'm going to pour blessings out on you. The last law. The more we're blessed by God, the more he expects us to help others. Jesus sums this up in the parable of the faithful and evil servants in Luke 12, 48 and verse 48. Much is required from the person to whom much is given. Much more is required from the person to whom much more is given. Sounds like it's repeating itself, but basically it's saying, if you're given a lot, a lot should be expected to be given out. Don't keep it to yourself. That's why the world is in the states in now. Even Bill Gates has realised that and he's starting to give away money. There's only, certain, <laughs> there's only so much you can earn before you need to give it away. And understandably, he might be saying, he might be doing it for charitable reasons, he might be doing it for tax purposes, but he's giving it away. You guys have something to give as well. Don't believe you don't. Every one of us sitting here has something to give. How many of us have jobs here? Most of us? Right. Why do you think you're in that workplace? Because they needed your skills. Yeah? What you, what you bring to it, in addition, is your personality. So you can go to work and be happy, smiley, or you can go to work and be miserable. You're still getting paid, but you can be miserable. Why are you laughing? But it's the additional bit that they get from that job is you. Yeah? The job gets done, but you are the extra addition to the job. How can we appreciate God's blessings? It's helpful to remind ourselves what God has blessed us with and continues to bless us with. God himself commanded the Israelites to remember the works of his hand when he delivered them from the persecution of the Egyptians. Why? Because they would have remembered remained focused on him for their needs. When they forgot this, that is when grumbling and moaning crept in and they walked away from God and his blessings. Our God does not condone anything that takes away the glory that is rightfully his. He is worthy of all the glory for what he has done, is doing and will do in the future. But God longs for us to acknowledge him willingly and graciously for his blessings as he willingly and freely gives to those who would love him. Right, we've got a long psalm here. Bear with me. Psalm 21 expresses the joy of King David and the blessings he is experiencing from God. From verse 1. O Lord, the King will delight in your strength, and in your salvation how greatly will he rejoice. Again, David, a man of God, a heart for God. Straight in, straight in, salvation. He wasn't worried about how much cattle he had, wives, money. 
first thing he talks about is his salvation. You have given him his heart's desire, and you have not withheld the request of his lips, Selah. For you meet him with blessings of good things. You set a crown of pure gold on his head. He asked life of you, and you gave it to him. Long life forever and evermore. His glory is great because of your victory. Splendor and majesty you bestow upon him. For you make him most blessed and a blessing forever. You make him joyful with the joy of your presence. For the king confidently trusts in the Lord, and through the loving kindness, faithfulness, goodness of the Most High, he will never be shaken. Your hand will reach out and defeat all your enemies. Your right hand will reach those who hate you. You will make them as if in a blazing oven in the time of your anger. The Lord will swallow them up in his wrath, and the fire will devour them. Their offspring you will destroy from the earth, and their descendants from the sons of men. King David expresses great joy in God's blessings. He humbly acknowledges God's hand in his life. So try and take stock of your blessings. Do you remember that old saying that it says, count your blessings? Yeah? It's, it's, not, to, it's, it's not like that situation where you know, you've got an miser Scrooge and he's just counting his money just to see how much money he's got. When you're counting blessings, well, when you get your head around the principle behind blessings, the whole point is you can't count how much you're being blessed. But even if you remember a handful of them, it will refocus you. But I challenge you, make a list of them and determine what they are, why you've received them, what you're supposed to do with them to glorify God, and challenge yourself by asking if you are using them as God would desire you to. Can God's blessings be lost? God's blessings can be lost temporarily or permanently. We see this with Samson, who was blessed with great strength, but not great wisdom. His foolhardiness led to his blessing being taken away from him. But his repentance and faith in God provided opportunity for God to bless him once again with God's given great strength to take down more Philistines in his death than he ever had in his whole lifetime. Another example is Saul. King Saul, the first king of Israel, who started out well. He was praying, he was prophesying, but like most of us, he allowed insecurities and impatience to get the better of us. And he started to do things by his own will and strength, and not the will and strength of God. 1 Samuel shows Saul's descent into disobedience and rebellion against God, which leads to God removing his blessing for being Israel's king from Saul. And let me stress, God didn't take his whole hand away from Saul. But he is very specific that the blessing he had anointed him with for being king, he was now going to take away. This did happen over a period of time, but during it, Saul got worse and worse. 1 Samuel 15 from verse 1. One day Samuel said to Saul, It was the Lord who told me to anoint you as king of his people Israel. Now listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army has declared. I have decided to settle accounts with the nations of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalek nation. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep, goats, camels and donkeys. Let me stop there. Quite a comprehensive list. Does God miss out anything there? No? In that time... Uh, that, they were, that we're talking about, pretty much that's what most people would say 
as their prime possessions. Men, women, children, babies, cattle, sheep. So God is being very, very specific. Get rid of everything. Jump into verse 7. Then Saul slaughtered the Amalekites from Havilah all the way to Shur, east of Egypt. He captured Agar, the Amalekite king, but completely destroyed everyone else. First red flag. Saul and his men spared Agar's life and kept the best of the sheep and goats, the cattle, the fatty calves, and the lambs, everything. Second red flag. In fact, that appealed to him. So he kept everything that appealed to him. They destroyed only what was worthless or of poor quality. Verse 10. Then the Lord said to Samuel, I am sorry that I ever made Saul king, for he has not been loyal to me and has refused to obey my command. Samuel was so deeply moved when he heard this that he cried out to the Lord all night. Take note in verse 11. Samuel was grieved by Saul's disobedience. Why? Because Samuel knew how important it is to have God's blessings bestowed upon his chosen people. So for God to take away his blessing from Saul was very sad indeed. Continuing from verse 12. Early the next morning, Samuel went to find Saul. Someone told him, Saul went to the town of Carmel to set up a monument to himself. Then he went on to Gilgag, another red flag. When Samuel finally found him, Saul greeted him cheerfully. May the Lord bless you, he said. I've carried out the Lord's command. That's Samuel. I think he's being a bit sarcastic here, but he's being polite. Then what is all the bleating of sheep and goats and the lowing of cattle I hear? Samuel demanded. It's true that the army spared the best of the sheep, goats and cattle, Saul admitted. But they're going to sacrifice them to the Lord your God. We have destroyed everything else. Then Samuel said to Saul, stop. Listen to what the Lord told me last night. What did he tell you, Saul asked. And Samuel told him, although you may think little of yourself, are you not the leader of the tribes of Israel? The Lord has anointed you king of Israel. And the Lord sent you on a mission and told you, go and completely destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, until they are all dead. Why haven't you obeyed the Lord? Why did you rush for the plunder and do what was evil in the Lord's sight? But I did obey the Lord, Saul insisted. I carried out the mission he gave me. I brought back King Agag, but I destroyed everyone else. Then my troops brought in the best of the sheep, goats, cattle and plunder to sacrifice to the Lord your God in Gilgal. So Samuel's trying to meet up with Saul to express God's displeasure. But Saul has already set up a monument for himself for his victory. And he's again disregarding God's hand in it and tries to justify his disobedience by saying the plunder he should have destroyed would be used for God's sacrifices. Samuel finally sees God's wisdom in this and speaks these words of wisdom that even believers today should take note of from verse 22. But Samuel replied, what is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubborn and as bad as worshipping idols. So because you've rejected the command of the Lord, he has rejected you as king. 
Saul lost more than the kingdom of Israel that day. More importantly, he had lost the favor and pleasure of pleasing God. And though, and through that, lost his peace of mind and any confidence in God. There are others who lost God's blessings, like Adam and Eve, who lost paradise and living intimately with God and traded them for the fall of all creation and the introduction of sin and death into the world. And don't be like Solomon, the wisest man ever, who fell into debauchery and sin via his wives and idols, not sparing himself from enjoying anything. But what he came to realize all too late was that the best thing he ever had and should have wanted over all things in his life was the blessing of God's presence. Only that brought him peace and pleasure, not anything the world could offer. God is a blessing in our lives right now, but we can ignore that blessing as Solomon did by focusing on just seeking pleasure and honour for ourselves rather than living for his pleasure and honour. The New Testament also has many examples of people losing or refusing the blessings of God, such as the rich young ruler who would not give up his possessions to follow Jesus, or even the disciples who walked away from Jesus after he spoke about being the bread of life and that they must eat of his flesh and drink of his blood to share eternal life in him. When we make God's blessings more about us than about him, then we are in a very dangerous place. And we need to draw back to him to correct our thinking in our hearts. Can God remove his blessing from us? Yeah. I believe so, according to his purposes. But to those he loves and truly loves, he remains ever faithful and does not completely remove his hand or blessings from you. Look at Job and Joseph. God took away their comfortable lives and they faced great hardship and injustice for God's purposes to be revealed for our greater good. A quote from C.S. Lewis, when we lose one blessing, another is often most unexpectedly given in its place. The aftermath of both situations in Job and Joseph's case was that they were blessed with more, even more than they had before and could have been, but more importantly, they were blessed with a much stronger and intimate relationship with God and have a story to encourage others through their hardships. God hasn't left you. He wants you to allow him to work through you to take you to another level of intimacy and fellowship with him. So I've made a few arguments there. Now I'm just going to say, this, uh, this is the key thing. This is why we as believers should acknowledge God's blessings. It's a blessing to know God. Yeah? Please, church. If you can't get that one, we're in trouble. It's a blessing to know God. Amen. Amen. There are some Christians out there. I can see you. I can hear you now. Good. Right. Don't know if you've done this, but I'm sure we all have. Sometimes you're in the office and someone says, Oh, I know so and so. And there's always like a competition. So you're thinking, Well, he knows a politician. I need to know a superstar. It's the truth, isn't it? There's no point in saying, oh, I, I know um, the Harlow MP. What, what are you going to say? Oh, Be yourself. Anyway, yes. Um, but we do, we exaggerate, don't we, about who we know. But we may not even know them. We might just say hello to them in the corridor. But we say, oh, yeah, I know so-and-so. Oh, yeah, we were out playing golf the other day. <laughs> but you didn't really, did you? you? You just saw them in the corridor. Maybe you had a conversation about golf, but you didn't play golf. 
knowing Jesus is, is real. It is real. It's the best relationship you can ever have. So, June, who's in the correlation? My wife? But Jesus is better. She knows it. I say it to her all the time. But Jesus is better. It's the only relationship. You know him. You don't need to know anyone else. Yeah? He's the ace, the trump card in any of those arguments. You know the Prime Minister? Yeah, I know Jesus. You know when you make a president? Yeah, I know Jesus. No one can trump Jesus. Coming back to the preach. Daniel was given a vision about mourning and fasting before the Lord for three weeks, but the Israelites were in captivity in Persia. Only Daniel saw the vision, while those who were with him felt a sense of trembling around them and fled. Daniel was overwhelmed in the presence of the Lord and felt his strength leave him and fell to the ground in a deep sleep. Daniel 10, verse 12, and then 15 to 17. Then he said to me, Fear not, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. When he had spoken to me according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. And behold, one in the likeness of the children of man touched my lips. Then I opened my mouth and spoke. I said to him who stood before me, O oh my Lord, by reason of division, pains have come upon me, and, retain, and I retain no strength. How can my Lord's servant talk with my Lord? For now my strength remains, remains in me, and no breath is left in me. Daniel 10 shows we are blessed as God listens to us, but more importantly, he responds to us. His touch releases us in his presence, and by his authority, he could keep us silent, but in his great love and affection for us, he allows us to speak to him. It's a blessing to have our eyes and ears opened by God. He allows us to see him and know and understand his ways. I'm going to try and keep this short, but how many people here have seen Black Panther? Good number? Well, there's a bit in that film where there's a big battle. There's always going to be a big battle. It's a superhero film. That's why you've gone to the cinema to pay your big money. Yeah? <laughs> and there's two tribes at war. And then one, one of the warring tribes sees all these people, all of his people, because they were all community. They were all one before. And he looks out on the battlefield and he realises there are fellow Wakandans fighting against one another. And it makes him think, and he stops, and he, he just puts his knee down as the battle's over. I thought that was quite prominent for that, to stop the battle like that. And then the second thing in that film was when the key villain has the ultimate showdown with the hero, and they're fighting away. The hero wins. You know, it's a superhero film. There's this another sh- strong moment where the man is dying, the, en- the enemy's dying, and the hero takes him out to see a sunset. And you see in, in the villain the realization that he was trying to destroy something so beautiful. 
if he'd only taken the, the opportunity just to take time and see the beauty, maybe he would have been different. But it was too late, he was dying. Two prominent things. We're, we're always warring in this world. But if we just stood still, looked around us, saw the madness around us sometimes that's going on around us, took our eyes off of that, put our eyes on Jesus, we'd be in a much better place. For our blessings, God can strengthen and empower us through his spirit and dwelling internally in our hearts. God's many blessings shows his great love and patience towards his children. A blessed person becomes more aware of God's presence in their life and the life of others. They desire more of God's presence and the fullness of Christ. And God's blessings should develop faith and hope in him. They should affect our lifestyles and attitudes and we should want to share them. Blessedness requires good stewardship. A blessed person grows in maturity and responsibility. God has worked some of his most powerful blessings in my life through helpless situations. And from this we grow and trust him even more and in the process become more like him. Those who are blessed have a great responsibility and will be held accountable for what they did with their blessing. Jesus told many parables to this effect. As blessed people... What should motivate us? For me, it's a greater love for God and to please him. Not more blessings, but because God is good, he provides more blessings. Blessed people experience the authority of God's love in their lives and in God's purposes work under and through his authority. We have no authority of our own, but only what God has blessed us with. We are blessed through God's correction Job can tell you. Behold, blessed is the one whom God reproves. Therefore, despise not the discipline of the Almighty. And his blessedness brings comfort and security. For the sake of time, I'm just going to reference Psalm 91, 14 to 16. That is in the notes. When we accept Jesus' precious gift of salvation, God pours even more blessings on his chosen ones, such as the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, and the eternal guidance and love of God the Father and God the Son. Revelations of scripture and truth, spiritual gifts to use to further God's kingdom, spiritual fruit that will change your life, such as love, peace, joy, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Transformation into a new creation in Christ through sanctification, forgiveness, healing, and adoption into his body, the church, with people who will encourage you and help you grow into the person God meant you to be. God's blessings include being fruitful and multiplying what he has given you. He wants what he has given you to grow and increase for his purposes and his kingdom. Did you know, church, you yourselves are blessings? To me and to others. Though there are some of you who may think, I'm not. Or not even feel you're a blessing to anyone else. But you are. And God has called you to be a blessing to this church. And the world around it. But as we see with the majority of God's blessings. Obedience and faith, faithfulness are required to receive them. Again for the sake of time. I'm just going to reference it. It's James 5 verse 11. 
God takes pleasure in blessing others. We please God when we bless others with what he has blessed us with. And blessed people influence others with their blessings. Peaceful people normally share their peace with others. True? It's true. You should come over to our house sometimes. We, we need more peaceful people. Strong people, if they do it correctly, can share their strength. God's blessings should be used wisely and correctly. Earthly blessings are not guaranteed in our lives, but God's eternal blessings far outweigh anything these can provide for us. The ultimate blessing that God has given us is the new life and forgiveness that comes through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. So in summary, Ephesians 1, verses 3 to 6, sums up nicely the key blessings we experience through Jesus. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. We are blessed as God's spiritual blessings far outweigh any earthly blessings, as God chose and loved us before the beginning of the world, as we are being made into the very nature of his son, Jesus, through his undeserved grace, as we are redeemed and forgiven through salvation in Jesus, as God is true of his will through his word, as we have the promised Holy Spirit, and as God prepares us for eternal life with him, in his safe, secure, joyful, sinless, and painless eternal kingdom. This is a quote I found on the internet, but I couldn't find who, who said it. Don't think of the things you didn't get after prayer. Think of the countless blessings God gave you without asking. So I pray, Lighthouse, let us continue to remember and appreciate God's lavish blessings towards us and those we hold dear. My hope and prayer for you all is that God continues to bless you richly and you glorify him in all ways. We must remember that we are blessed for the glory of God and our greatest blessing is our relationship and new life in Christ Jesus. So allow his Holy Spirit to guide you in how to bless others with your blessings for the increase of his kingdom. Amen. Amen. So that was a whirlwind stop tour of blessings but I'm sure there's more out there but it's such an immense subject but when you start to unpick it and unravel it it's worth doing the homework so we normally go